There you go. Now we're talking. It's like a kid's room, but uh, I mean, have you have you take a look at my room? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Ain't no ain't no different than your than your sons. All right. (laughs) I'm I may be an old person, but I I'm still a young kid by heart. You know so. Man, how are you, man? Thank you for coming I'm over good. to the show, man. I really oh, appreciate pleasure. it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. So, man, first things first, man. Like, before we get the shindig started, um, can you tell us like a little bit about yourself and what you do to the audience who, for the people who don't know who you are? Um, my name is Frank Socorro, and I have been an engineer, audio engineer, for 23 years at this point. Um, I think Grammy nominated four times. Multi platinum, all that fun stuff that people like to talk about. Also, been an educator for at this point a little bit over ten years. Wow! Um, Pro Tools certified instructor, audio instructor, yeah, studio owner, you the regular s- stuff. Studio owners, wait. So you own an actual studio now, like you, what, name and everything? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I don't own the entire building, but I have a uh, inside of Vanquish. We have there's a second room that's my room, um, and it's currently rented out. It's been rented out for the better part of a year now. Um, oh really so yeah it's because somebody's camped in there and, and uh, it's cool i remember i think the last time that we not as i would remember the last time we saw each other and talk was with ricky remember when ricky mm. came over to to vanquish and we went to that room of yours you guys um, i you, don't i don't remember no it was damn it was like almost it was definitely a while it was definitely a while it was before or during his comic as nitty-gritty but i know mm. you guys were talking about a certain girl a singer you know that you that you that ricky and and her should meet up and do a collaboration or work on something or whatnot it was something like that and then i was just um i was in the corner while you guys were basically talking business and shit i was just minding my own business in the corner on the laptop just like Okay, I'm, I'm just. I don't know. I wonder who that was. And and I, I remember know. it was in your in that banquet studio in the smaller room, because mm-hmm. I remember the wall had the diffusers. And, yeah, that's my room. And then and then and it had a, like a nice little sofa, and then you were on the other side doing doing your stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. like, damn! I kid you not. That was almost like five years or or so. That's crazy. Yeah, because I remember that at that time when we left. There were some people that were getting in to the studio. Like, I'm pretty sure there were some r- uh, rappers or something like that. And then you just basically introduce us to them and everybody's just exchanged information after that. I don't even remember that. <laughs> um, yeah, they ha- I mean, I'm old. So I forget things now. So hey, I- and sometimes people are like, hey, remember? And I'm like, nope, but I believe you. <laughs> um, it sounds like it happened. I just I don't remember it. Sorry. I mean, you're, I mean, you're you don't you're not old. You're not in your forties. I'm forty three. You're forty three. Damn, bro, you look a day over thirty, man. It's all that pizza. Uh that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> pizza is well, the key. Pizza is the key, man. It makes everybody happy. Well, that's very interesting. I'm gonna keep that in mind because even though I'm lactose intolerant, I was, I still eat pizza. Okay. My girl keeps telling me like not to fucking eat pizza all the time. I was like, babe, babe, babe. I only eat once per week. <laughs> I'm sure there's a very specific reason that she's telling you not to eat pizza since you're lactose intolerant. 
I'm pretty sure it, it probably must be from the goodness of her heart. You know, bless her heart. Mm. You know, it has to be something. I don't know. But she's vegan. So she's actually very healthy and she's very eating better food than I is all I can say. But I I don't I actually ate some of her food and it's not that bad. It's, it actually tastes yeah, good. Fine. You you have vegan before? I, of course. I mean, a lot of our food is made from their food. So it's just, the only thing that's different is the meat part. Like, but I don't know. I just prefer the real deal in, in some ways. I, I just I don't enjoy the fake meat products like you could. I don't need those like fake meat. But just regular vegetables is just completely fine. Well, I mean, vegetables is fine. There's nothing wrong about that. I'm fake meat. Like when you say fake meat, like, you know, the the fast food stuff and the frozen food shit. Mm, no, I'm talking about when, like when they do like, oh, this is like vegan hamburgers. Like, oh, the Beyond Meat. Yeah. It's not even the Beyond stuff because the Beyond stuff is actually oh. not terrible. I'm talking about when people do like, here's a black bean burger. And I'm just like, oh. I'm good. I like black beans and I like burgers. I just don't like black bean burgers. Like I'd rather just eat a hamburger. So if I'm going to eat vegan food, I'd rather just be like, just make me some vegetables in a really cool way. Don't try to tell me that this is just like a hamburger because it's not. Have, have you tried the mushroom burger then? <laughs> I don't really like mushrooms like that. Not a big fan. Really? I'll tell you what. I was never that big of a vegetable person I, besides of the rice and beans that I typically eat on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But I guess when I when I started going out with my girl and I started to be a little bit more open minded with certain foods and whatnot, I was like, okay, I started to get digging. And like before, I usually never eat peppers. Now I eat peppers. Look at you, progression. I mean, at one point I have to grow up, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, like I can't be that kid every day. Well, I can, but it, you know, I have to be an adult ordering at some point. Nuggets. You gotta stop ordering chicken nuggets. Ugh, I stop. I stop. I stop. I stopped eating fast food a long time ago, man. And then it wasn't really? just just recently. I came back at eating Wendy's and I and I hate myself for doing it. You'll be fine. I don't. I mean, I mean, I, it's not that I, I I don't enjoy it. I do enjoy it. It's just the fact that I'm wasting my money on, on fucking fast food is like no. The problem is is usually it has a food court in which every day I can just go get something different and I can get like smaller portions of stuff, you know, and it's real mm-hmm. food out there, you know. Problem is, ever since the pandemic hit, the cafeteria has been closed. So the what's the closest thing that I can do? Either I cook Wendy's. something or Uber Eats or something, you know? And yeah. And that's my very downfall right now. So I'm I heard they close Swenson's. Which one? Swenson's. What Swenson? In front of in front of in front of the in front of Sunset Place, in front of the mall, behind the Wendy's. There's a restaurant there. It was an ice cream place. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, they actually did close it not too long ago. That place was really good. They actually had very good ice creams, but again, I can't go that so the burgers often. Good. Like, the burgers are really good. I haven't managed to get some of those burgers though. I was I was always in there for the ice cream, even though it messes up my stomach. I just you know, the ice cream was just the burgers. Fire. The burgers are fire. Like some real hamburgers. Very good. Anyways, that's not, we're not here to talk about hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Talk to me, man. What are we talking about? Okay, man. Well, first things first, man. Before we take on on this little journey that we got right here, like there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about because one of the things I want you to know, the reasoning why I started this podcast, it's because I basically interview 
people from the industry, whether it's engineers, promoters, artists, A&Rs, or even, you know, other industries like filmmakers from Iceland that not too long ago, I started interviewing and other people. And the reason why I'm interviewing and started this podcast is because, um, I basically got to a point in which like, you know, I try to find the same, what's my real calling call? My, what am I really passionate about? You know? And, you know, and I'm, if you know me, you know all my trajectory. Like, you know, like I basically touch everything from being a DJ that I've been doing it for over 15 years for music production to engineering to audio tech to staging and striking and LED tests and all that crap, bro. Like I've done it everything. I've worked on festivals. I've worked on um, clubs. Like I've basically done everything, but I haven't found the one thing that I'm say I'm very proud of. I'm very passionate about, but I still want to be part of this industry in some shape, way or form, you know, and that thing was podcasting because I was always into listening to other people's conversation because I wanted to educate it. I educate myself, you know, I want to know more about stuff and I want to still continue to learn no more stuff. And ever since I started doing this podcast, I decided like, okay, I know what I should do and what should be my goal in all this. My goal in in doing this podcast is for for the little people for the people that are trying to get into the industry or want to know how to get into the industry or want to know what's it like or all that stuff i'm basically telling my experience all my comments all the ugly side of this all the good things about it all the cool stuff all the bad stuff all the awareness that you have to be and don't just take it from my word as well just take take word from other people who also was part of it or still in it and have been through it as well you know not too long ago i interviewed you know ricky and shindo you know and i've been fans of them since day one you know and it was mm -hmm. just like the perfect time that i interviewed those two because i decided to rebrand myself within the podcast with a new look with a new promos and start doing all cool stuff because here's something about me i was always the the quiet person whether you want to believe it or not because i know i was very loud in school i was really loud and we all know that but the thing the reason why i was really loud in school is because i felt like i was allowed to be loud in a certain way like i was allowed to speak my mind and not be judged about it and be get myself educated about it you know like whatever I'm saying, whether it's right or wrong, you know, we we have conversations, we learn from each other, we start to know what what it's like, you know, mm -hmm. that's not the same story when you're working in the industry, when you're working in set festival and set label or set artists or set whatever. It's not the same thing. There's times in which you have to keep your mouth shut and listen and. And just do what they got to say, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, I feel like most of the time, if I open my mouth at the wrong time or whatever time it is, I might say the wrong thing or not or may come across as the wrong thing, even though what I'm I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm just saying facts mm -hmm. that people just don't want to hear or people don't want to talk about or people don't want to know about it. Mm -hmm. So in a way, like you can understand that I felt like kind of restricted that damn, I like I basically can't say any of the stuff that goes around and I wish I can just like say something about it or do something about it. And my calling was the podcast. Basically, I'm just letting everybody know it's like, hey guys, like I've been through I was a promoter. I had to do some stuff. I had to work for free just to do this, you know? Well, that that's my path. You could have take you could take a different path. And mm -hmm. here's an example of that other path. 
or you know what we all know about you know certain artists have ghost producers it's for outside consumers is taboo to talk about it but when you're behind the scenes you all know about it you know Mm-hmm. Or or even when, when it comes to labels, you know, like labels don't really give a shit about you. They don't, you know, in some labels, you know, not all labels. Some labels are are maybe there for, for the people or for the community. But, you know, if you put it on a grand scheme as a, as a vast majority, you can say that a lot of labels are just, you know, in it for themselves. And most of the time, people just don't realize what they're signing off in these contracts. Or most of the time, people uh, aren't aware what these labels do to do certain things to get these artists popping now like people don't know that these free 60 deals comes with a price with you know they the label gives you a loan and you have to pay that back and then mm-hmm. they go on an outroar like what the fuck why am i paying this like why i gotta pay this much and i'm like did you read the contract you know and samples mm-hmm. like that you know so i'm basically every every episode that i've done on on this show is basically topics about that you know like Discussing about rating contracts, discussing about where your actual money comes from. It doesn't most, maybe for some, maybe for some, but I know for a fact that the majority of your income comes from touring and merch. And then unless you're, unless you're a, well, like a, like a Twitch streamer or an Instagram model or OnlyFans, you know, that they can give you the money directly from there. Most of the time, you're earning your money through for church and merch, you know, because music you you don't get your music right away. For at least the the money the money part, you get that like probably six months to a year or so later, through royalties and whatever whatever the splits was with with your label and other stuff, you know, stuff like that that people aren't aware of it. Basically, like put it out there, you know, and explained in in details, you know, let it know like. Hey, like this is the stuff that goes around, you know, this is the stuff that happens. Like, hey, are you willing to do this stuff? Like, are you then expect some of this stuff, you know, and I'm just trying to be, you know, the voice out there to let everybody know. It's like, hey, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to start a revolution here. There's no way that you could go against a a monster machine like this industry. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's basically shooting yourself in the foot. I'm just speaking out there and just saying, hey, this is what I learned from my experience. This is what I learned from my people's experience or from others' experience. A wise man learns from his own mistake. A wiser man knows, learns from other people's mistakes. So that's basically the premise of this podcast. And I'm trying to do my best out there. And I'm like dead serious and going out with all sorts of artists, whether it's the little guys, even to the big guys like Ricky and Shindo. To even other people from other industries, as I as as I'm trying to tackle it as an entertainment wise, you mm-hmm. know, not too long ago I just interviewed a cosplayer, which she has like, she's a marketing genius, and she has like over six hundred thousand followers. And all she does is just cosplay and play video games, and she gets all that money from that. That's pretty cool. That I mean, that's the life, right? All the way to like I told you, a filmmaker. As someone that I met through a mutual friend, the guy's literally writing down his first horror TV show in Iceland. Now he's like literally writing down the script and everything. And we met through a mutual friend and we were just like talking about all sorts of stuff. And then as well as from YouTubers and other people like and I started noticing that everybody in some way has 
a similar story of mine or a similar story than other people that I've interviewed in which it basically mm-hmm. it shows like it don't matter which industry you are. Most of the stuff that you had to do, we all been through before, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to, yeah. you just had to do all these comments and you had to grind hard and all this stuff. Now, everything I've d- I set up to now, would you agree for what I said or disagree or there's some um, here's and there's? I think there's some here's and there's. I mean, I think that um, like as far as like, you know, not everybody has a super hard route. Some people are super fortunate and don't have to go through a lot. Some people are, aren't as fortunate. Some people haven't been fortunate. Some people have to work really long and some people don't become successful until much later in their life. So it really depends on, um, on the person, but it also depends on their input and their focus. Like, you know, a lot of people try to do this, but maybe they don't have the correct focus or maybe they're focused on the wrong things. You know, a lot of times people come in here and they're like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to do that. And, oh, that's cool. I'm going to do that. And then that's not, mm. that's never really, it doesn't really work for anybody. And then the people who kind of just stick to their guns, usually they have kind of much longer road. And, you know, it's just when their time comes, their time comes. But again, their time may never come. Being successful in entertainment is like winning the lottery. Basically. Not everybody gets to do it. Yeah. So, but it's not luck. It's just you really being adamant about pursuing your thing. That's what I think. That's just my opinion. And how you actually started the whole your whole life with this industry? Like, what actually prompted you to become an auto engineer or producer? When I was really young, I had two uncles, or half two uncles, are still alive, and they were both DJs. And so there was always like music at my house. And, like I lived in my grandma's house a lot, so they were there, and they were like my big brothers. Um, and we had like you know twelve hundreds and mixers and you know. Wow. kinds of equipment in the house i just you know i was always around music i just uh at one point was like really thought that i was gonna do that or like doing like music production but i didn't really know what any of that meant i didn't know what it meant to like be a producer um so when i was old enough after high school i was old enough and i went to full sale because i found out that that's what you could do there and i went to full sale and i learned about audio engineering because there wasn't really like a production school so i thought that was the closest thing to it and i went to full sale and then at full set, I kind of like really figured it out, things that I liked, the things that I wanted to do. And uh, yeah, and then after that, I, I moved to Miami because I came from New York. So oh, okay. Orlando to go to full sale. Yeah, I didn't live in Miami oh, or oh. Florida at all. I moved to Orlando to go to full sale. And then after full sale, I moved here. And then once I was here, I, I was really fortunate to work at some cool studios. Mm. One being with Charles. That was my first studio I worked at. And then from then on, I just, you know, just kept working here locally and just making contacts and just working really hard. And that was it. It was just a lot of work. <laughs> I'm not going to give that a lot. It was just a lot of work. It was working every day and not saying no to any gigs, like taking all the gigs. Mm. I don't really recommend that to people. When people, I tell people now, they like, take every gig. And I'm like, just because you can kind of, we sometimes get lost in the work. Like you forget where you're trying to go. Mm. Um, so that can be like detrimental to you. So yeah, take gigs, like, you know, don't just turn down everything, but definitely also give yourself time to like be, do other things like go to the beach, play video games. I mean, do you, do you actually believe that it's actually better off to do that, that balance your life a little bit by, you know, taking gigs and at the same time, have some time to yourself or just go full mode grind mode? I think that there is time for both, um, but I think that there's definitely time. And when I say like take time, I'm not like, yo. You can't, like in this industry, you can't be like, I only work Monday through Friday. Only at a certain level could you do that. Like if you're, I don't know, you're freaking 
Mark Ronson, you could be like, I only work Monday through Friday. Right. And then that's it. Like you're already successful. You're Kanye. You'd be like Kanye, Kanye's like, I only work on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Like, what are you gonna do as Kanye? It's Kanye, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, so and I and I know a lot of big producers that are like that. They're like, Yeah, I don't work on Sundays or I don't work on this day, or I don't work mm-hmm. past this night. Like, you know, but they're at that point. Like when you're starting out, you can't have that mentality. Mm. but you can make time for yourself and you should also find time to just do things for yourself. Even if it's not taking a whole day, but you know, take the morning. Most of the time, if you're in studio work, you finish late. So if you know, you don't have to be back at the studio until 8 PM the next day, try to wake up a little bit earlier, do something, go ride your bike, go to the store, go to the beach, stick your feet in the water, do something. If you don't live near a beach, then go do something you like for a couple hours and get yourself. Like a, yeah, something. Or just to go do nothing. Like go do nothing for two hours. Like if you like laying down, like lay down for an extra hour. Mm. Or go take a bath. I don't know. Something. Do something <laughs> that's different. And, uh, go paint or something. Make checkers. <laughs> I don't know. And you, I'm I'm pretty sure you've you mentioned this too many times to your students, right? I do. I always mention it to people that you need to make time for yourself and the other things that you like because you, your life can't just be this. Because mm. then you run out of Burn energy. Out. Yeah, your battery gets worn out. You need to recharge it. So that's why people go on vacation. So like, it doesn't have to be a week long, but vacation could be four hours. Right. You, you know, especially here in Miami. Yeah. Like if you wake up on the right day, you could get, you could be at the beach by 10, by two. You go home, you got a tan, saw some butts. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> the way you say it. It's, it's true though. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you live here in some, like at least if you live here in Miami or South Florida or anywhere that you're living the coast, you can take advantage of it. Like go bike riding and, or go to the beach and, you know, enjoy a yeah. few hours then come back. Yeah, if you live in a place where you can go outside and enjoy, even if it's like snowing, like if you like the snow, go outside, look at the snow, look at the birds, do something, you know, just find a hobby, get your, change your scenery, play some basketball. Play I don't know, do something, something that you like, that you enjoy, do it whenever you can. And, you know, you can balance stuff out. Usually I say that to people when you feel like you're that whole mentality of writer's block, when you feel like kind of block or you can't even progress, like that's where I tell people it's like, all right, then stop what you're doing and do something that you like, you know, do a sort of a hobby, like go play video games or go outside, go hang out with your friends or family or go see a movie, go do this, you know, something, something outside of it and guarantee you it, when you're doing it, it's going to just like, like a flip of the switch and mm-hmm. you'll be like, oh my God, I can't wait to go back again. Now yeah. I can actually do The problem do this is stuff. that people do too much of that and they don't ever go back. Mm. That's the real problem is that people don't know how to like balance it. So they're either working too much or they're relaxing too much and there's a balance. And it, it's not the same balance for everybody. And you should find your balance where you're productive as well right. as like stable mentally. Right. right. So some too often people are like, oh, I'm just going to play a game. And now it's been 12 hours and you're almost beating Zelda. Right. You should not, you know, if you play re- FIFA for six minutes, like don't, don't try to play Final Fantasy as a break. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have no problem with playing Final Fantasy, but I get what you're saying. I usually discipline myself that when I'm playing video games, I have to, I can only play up to two hours. That's my two hour mark. And that's it. After that, then I either do something productive or go just, you know, rest and chill. But I ha- I can only play two because if I don't put that cap on myself, 
like you said, I'll be spending my 12 hours just playing that damn video game on Final Fantasy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to, it's a balance, like everything else. And a little discipline, you know? It's, that's something that a lot of people lack lately. Now that I'm noticing a lot of people are lacking a little bit of discipline with themselves, you know? I don't think it's lately. I think it's always. Yeah? Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think it's any different. I think it's the same. I think it's always been there's people who are super disciplined. There's people who are not. And then there's the people in the middle. Most people. You got to stop expecting a reward for everything that you do. Mm. Just do the work. I think that's... And the work should be a reward. Yeah. I think The fact that, that you can go to work is valuable. Yeah, I think that's exactly what may be that what's contributing to the whole thing is like, oh, you know, like work, work so I could get expect something, you know, when in this industry is this should be like the place in which you should expect nothing at all. Because yeah, and then when you get something, it's nice, but also you're not working because what happens when you get the thing that you were trying to work for, you stop working. You're like, OK, I got it. Yeah, I got it. High five. That's it. But then that's it. It's over. Yeah. So stop stop working for a reward and just enjoy the work and enjoy the the journey. And I know that sounds super corny, but it's the truth. If you stop expecting rewards, you just do the work. And then it's not hard to do the work because you don't you don't there's no end point. It's just like I'm gonna do this and this is what I'm doing. I'm gonna make a song today. And then tomorrow I'll worry about putting it out. And then the day after I'll worry about marketing. And then the day after I do this. And then the next week I start again and I'm not looking for a reward. I'm just doing the work. Exactly. Now, so, and when you get a reward, it's great, but it's not, it's not why you're doing it. Mm, that's, I think that that's something that, that I had to learn the hard way when I was trying to come up because I was basically tr thinking my, I was not f pleasing myself was pleasing the masses. And I, and I was the whole time I said, it's like, okay, if I do this, I know I'm going to get this and I know I'm going to get it. It's a guaranteed thing. It's just that, and I shoot myself for failure after that, man, because I was like, damn, bro, I didn't get it mm -hmm. all because I had that mentality of, you know, I it's I should expect this if I do this and I do that. And I know because this, this, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm do. I did the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it happens, it's just like it all fell flat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then that's where you discourage yourself. And that's what a lot of people actually loses um, confidence and loses their motivation motivation you to put be so much yeah you put too much stock in that whatever the end was the pot of gold yeah it's not about the pot of gold. it's about doing the work and being able to do it consistently and efficiently right now was that that's, that's how you get to that's how you become a person who wakes up and if you're a musician that's how you get to be the guy who wakes up and makes music first thing in the morning uh, and yeah. then makes a bunch of music and then it's not you don't you're not you don't need something to inspire you to think because the work is inspiration so if you ever seen people who just wake up and make music you'd be like yeah i don't know how he does it what do you think about it? and they're just like i just get up so that's it the inspiration it. is that's the work it. yeah the work is the inspiration so if you just keep doing that at some point you get so good at it that it's just easy to do it it just becomes like a routine for you and it's not hard and that's, and that's when you start becoming really successful yeah because you can repeat what you did before because you've just constantly always done the work and that's another thing because and, and it works It definitely works because I remember I put myself uh, as a timer like, okay, every time I get out of work, two hours, I got to do two hours of work on my on my production. And that's the only thing I'm going to be doing. And if I do that on an everyday basis, it's be it became like uh, a regular part of my routine. I just mm -hmm. I, and all I got to do is just open up uh, Ableton 
and start doing stuff. Either work on old projects or start working on a new project. And it, it just comes out naturally because I, I, it, it's it's not that I, you force yourself to do it. It's more of you practice every day to learn how to get used to the idea of doing this every day for that amount of time. You're only doing it two hours. That's it. Don't overdo it. If you want to do it more, fine. Do it on times in which you don't have to overthink yourself or you don't have to think too much or you don't have to do much like working because that's another thing that a lot of people having troubles, you know, but most of the people are who wants to get involved in all this, they don't have the time or the luxury because most of the time they're, they're in their nine to five jobs or they're taking care of their families or whatever their situation. They don't have that luxury. So I always tell people, just put yourself an hour or two. Believe it or not, an hour or two of production every day, consistently, you'll be surprised how far you can go by just putting yourself that two-hour mark. Like, you'll be surprised how much more productive you can be, how much more stuff comes out of you naturally without even had to think about it. It's just like, like you just farted out of your brain and there you go. Yeah, because it becomes part of your routine. Do you have to think about your drive to work every morning? No, I don't have to. You, you just I get just, in the car and go. I just get in the car and go. Exactly. Same thing. So instead of driving the car, it's when you get home and you sit on your laptop. If you do it every day, it's when you don't have to think about it and it just starts to go. I agree. And that's when your ideas can flow freely. That's why when you're sitting in the car and you're driving and you're not thinking about it, all your ideas come to you. Same thing as a shower. You don't have to think about taking a shower. You've been taking a shower your whole life. Yes. Your brain is free to do other stuff. Your brain is free to wander, to be creative. Same thing. If you sit there every day for two hours, you don't have to think about it. You just sit down and you just start doing it because you've always done it. You've been doing it and it's natural. And then all the ideas come. And that's why when you watch people who do this professionally and they do it and you're like, how do they come up with that idea so fast? It's because they come up with an idea every day. Their mm -hmm. brain, you should like, their brain is just like hacked into just, when I sit down, this is what happened. And this is not, this is your free time brain. Go. And you can do stuff, but you got to like dedicate your time to it. And when people are like, oh, I don't have time because of my job. That's, that, not that, that's because you have time to come home yeah. and watch TV. Yeah. It's horseshit. When I, I hear that all the time, it's like, dude, you have time. You just have to make that time. That's all. Yeah. And if somebody called, he was like, yo, come over here. We're going to party. You'd probably make time and go party. Same shit. Exactly. So it's, there's no excuse. It, at that point, it becomes like, what are your priorities? That's really what it is. It just boils down to your priorities. It, it boils down to how hard do you really want to work mm -hmm. for it? Because most people don't. And it also comes coming back to, um, do you believe that you can actually do it? because mm. a lot of people say that they want to do it but in the back of their minds there's a little voice that would be like you're not going to do this yeah. it's not for you and so you make every excuse not to do it because that little voice in the back of your head tells you that you're never going to make it that it's impossible that right. it's too hard that nobody makes it that it's a lottery it is it's hard it's all those things but guess what never guess who it's never going to work for the person who doesn't try to do it so now you can just you can use make every excuse and be like ah oh, I can't do it or I couldn't do it because they're so hard it's hard for everybody. Yeah, because if not, if it, if it was that easy, then, you know. Everybody would do it. Exactly. It's hard for everybody. It's just some people can figure that out really early and decide, like, you know what? I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then when I get to the point where I can do it with my eyes closed, then, you know, I'll be okay. But right. Until then, I have to do the work. I have to do it every day. Exactly. You know, and... Like a perfect example, like I bring him a lot. I need to stop saying his name over. <laughs> but a perfect example is our boy Ricky, you know, nitty gritty. I see I see that guy literally when he was just a nobody at school 
to now one of the biggest multi-genre producers out there in the scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember the times that we that he was coming up. I remember that he wanted it so bad that he knew his priority. Like he knew what he really has to do to, to get it there, you know? And mm-hmm. there were times in which I, I can test this. Like there were times that he doesn't get out of the freaky room. There were times I believe that he never showered. How do, like crazy shit. Like there were times in which me and Mike, we basically tell Ricky, it's like, yo, Ricky, let's just go out. Let's let's grab a bite or something. He's like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. And we're like, bro, don't worry. You can finish that later. Like you're not going to finish that now. And he looks at us like, yeah. All right, bet. Here I go. And he just does it. You know, he just began mm-hmm. that. He becomes a machine in in all this, you know, and and that's the priorities because he knew what he actually wants. Like he knew it's a long shot, but he knew the risk out of it. He knew like, all right, if I'm going to do it because I do have the tools for it, I believe I can do it. All right. Here's the stuff I got to do it. And then boom, he came out as a he started out as 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 a as a drummer, as a melodic dubstep. And now he's gone to every freaking genre that you can imagine. Like, hell, he's done like music for for reggaeton artists. You know, he he just mm-hmm. recently did. Um, he just got himself the multi platinum for Bad Bunny's track, uh, mm-hmm. Siempre with Diplo. That's fucking dedication. You know, as someone that who doesn't speak Spanish, yet he made a dope track for for those guys you know mm-hmm. like he had no he has no boundaries mm-hmm. but why I mean, is that this is music yeah because he thinks that he can do it at some point if you're successful if you do enough stuff you you can develop a certain level of on the shitness which is healthy right and it lets you get certain things done when you're in the room that's pretty normal man that's for people who in the entertainment it's pretty normal and you just, when you're see people like that, you know what you're up against if you're trying to do it. That's what you're right. competing against. Somebody who's just super focused and is just willing to put in the work and is willing to stay a little bit later and um, just work a little bit harder. Yeah, basically. Just don't give up, man. Just push it through. Like, you need to have, like, um, tough skin for this. And mm-hmm. if you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Yeah, because pretty much. Yeah, very much out of it. And... When you started out after you got out of college, you basically went out into some of these studios right here in South Florida. Like you just right jumping <clears> into <throat> internship. No, Full Sail got me an internship with Charles at Charles' studio. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a studio called Heaven, Heaven Studios. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore, but um, yeah, I just my and I only interned one there, one place there, and then um, I started like getting work, like local work, and then um, I had a really big break at Circle House. And they put me on some really big sessions and I was able to make a name for myself. That's when I really started like making a living from this and knowing that I was like, I could do this full time. Um, and I just dove in head first. Now it was just, I did it every day. Even when I wasn't at the studio, like I was able to at some point buy a little setup at the crib and I still worked at the crib every day when I wasn't at the studio. And eventually that just turned into like me just working every day. Just always constantly working on my craft and got yeah, really good and people noticed and yeah, it just opened a lot of doors for me and just never really did anything else. And during like those, I never had to like get a job or anything. And during those internships, you were not getting paid at all. You were just like doing the work and that and until I until I get there. Mm-hmm. Uh when I when I went to wholesale, 
I was able to go not only go to full sale, but I actually had three jobs of the full sale. Oh shit. So it was really tough for me. Um, but because of that, I was able to save some money. And then when I moved to Miami, uh, we had a friend of the family who lived here and they let me stay. Like I basically slept on the floor. Um, mm. they had an empty room with like no furniture in it. And it, like I slept on the floor in a, in a, in a sleeping bag for like seven months. Wow. And I just had my clothes and I had, and I had a car and I would drive to the studio every day. And, um, I would spend as much time there just because like these people were letting me stay in their house. I didn't want to like be a nuisance. Mm-hmm. So I just wouldn't go home till like really late. Mm. So I would stay at the studio really late and then come home late and then wake up really early. So like almost, it would be like, I almost wasn't there, but right. they would never see me because I never wanted them to feel like those guys like hanging out on our couch, eating our food, wasting our electricity. Right. So I literally went there to sleep. And I was like super grateful. And then once I started making money, like I let them know and like I moved out as soon as I could. But I was like, they would be like, are they, they, they called me the ghost. Because they were like, you're never here. Right. They were like, they were like, we only know you're here because the sink is wet because you brushed your teeth this morning. But like, they never saw me. Because I, I, I did that on purpose because I didn't want them to feel like I was taking advantage. Right. I mean, that's very interesting because to be honest, I've never met anybody up till now who's has done the actual struggling artist routine, you know? Mm. Like, I've never, you're like literally the first person I've met probably in interview because I basically talk about it, but I've never, I'd never gone far enough to say anything about it because I never experienced it. In that regards, I always had mm. some sort of help in, in some shape or way, you know? Mm-hmm. Whether it's for family or, or I mean, that help. I mean, that, that them letting me stay there was definitely help. Like, if I would have came here, there would have been no. I would have. I would have had to go home. You know, right? But that that was tremendous help. Just letting me sleep there. But I definitely was not. I ate the I ate dollar menu from Wendy's for like eight months. Jeez. Even after I moved out, mm. like I'm a pretty big guy, and I I think I lost like sixty pounds out of eating the w- Wendy's menu. Uh, no, it was dollar menu. So I could either eat like, I would spend like $2 and I'd be like, I could get a frosty and some fries or I could get like some nuggets and a frosty and like, that would be my dinner. Holy like, crap, dude. Yeah. I was living on like $8 a day. And sometimes at the studio, people would buy me lunch and I would eat lunch, but I, I had to just make sure that whatever money I had, I was to put gas in the car so I could get to the studio. Oh, so that was a bigger priority than eating lunch. So I was like the dollar menu. There was one, there was a one that's right behind the studio on on uh, 163rd. And I would just walk over there and it was dollar menu on a daily basis. Damn, bro. She was tough, man. She was really tough. My first apartment had no furniture in it at all, like ever. Like I lived there a year. I never put furniture in it. It was just like the sleeping bag again. And not, not even not even like a inflammable, inflammable mattress, nothing. Just No, I had a sleeping bag. I had a sleeping bag and a bunch of books in my clothes. Damn, bros. That's pretty interesting, man. <laughs> it was terrible. No, I know. I'm awful. sorry. It, it, I know it has to be terrible, but it's like hearing the story itself is interesting because, again, this is the stuff that you normally do not hear from others. Mm-hmm. You know, you normally don't listen to this. And people is always wondering or people always like, ah, you know, I'm doing the struggling artist routine. It's like, no, you're not, bro. Like you're, you're living at your parents' home. You're not, you're fine. You know, yeah. like there's people yeah. who are in worse situations or worse part that they're doing the actual struggling artists. Like you just mentioned right now, 
I commend you for doing stuff like that. And I commend you for even telling me your story, man, because I'm not sure if you were, you know, if you were okay about it, you know? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I don't mind. I, it's, it is what it is. That's what I, I had to go through, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of it. Was, it just was, it, it was what it was. That's what I had to do. So I did it and it turned out okay. So no regrets. I mean, no regrets up till now, man. That I mean, you, you did fine. You're, like you said, an audio engineer and a professor right now, right? Mm -hmm. So what actually came across to you that you decided like, you know what? I want to teach some of these cats, you know, what it's like to be here. At one point, I just wasn't happy doing this and I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm. So I wanted to take a break. So I like, I kind of just stopped and I quit. Like I just didn't want to do it anymore. And then um, I was going to be a teacher before I went to Full Sail. I was oh. going to be a science teacher. Yeah, that's what I wanted to be as a science teacher. And then, um, obviously like the audio thing happened and then it worked out. But at one point in like 2010, I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I was like, kind of fed up with it. And then, so, um, but I just quit and then I was just like home. And then at some point I was like, oh, I need to make some money. So I was like, oh, maybe I can teach. And I called SAE. And it was like a week later I was like teaching. No way. Just like that? Yeah. It happened super fast. Yeah. I, I called and they were like, yeah, why don't you send us your resume? And I sent them a resume and then they called me like two days later and they're like, hey, why don't you come down? And I think I met with them like on a Thursday. I think on Monday I had a class. What? Like my first, yeah. I taught like microphones. The first, my first class. That's a wild story to hear. Oh, it's cool though. They were super nice and they gave me a chance. And then I've been there for like 10 years now. That's yeah, so you've been a decade with SAE, man. That's that's wild, mm -hmm. man. Oh, so, so by the mm -hmm. time I, I got to SAE, you were already four years into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Damn. In SAE, did they actually ever give you like chances to do any side projects or continue to to pursue other stuff besides just being a professor? Oh, so yeah, I mean they don't. I mean, what I do after work is my business. Like I, I always, at one point, I I, I didn't probably work, probably like until you came around your class. Like yeah. I wasn't really doing stuff, and then slowly I started like going back doing stuff. And I think like probably like four years ago was when I open a spot at Vanquish or five years ago, four years ago, something like that. Right. Yeah. I've always done stuff though. I still do stuff. It's important. It keeps your brain functioning. But that was just more like side hustle stuff, you know, like doing a studio session with, uh, with certain artists or, mm -hmm. you know, learning mm -hmm. how, how to become a, a professor for pro tools. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What actually made you decide those those roles at that point? You know, what actually made you decide, like, you know what, I'm going to be a Pro Tools instructor. Like, why not? Uh, I think, I mean, they are. I mean, I was always, like, super good at Pro Tools already. Like, mm -hmm. not to toot my own horn, but I am super good at Pro Tools. And I knew that. So when they came around and they asked us to be certified, I was like, no problem. I thought it was going to be easier. It was actually kind of tough, but <laughs> it's cool now. I, I do it privately, too, which is great. Like, That's dope. Privately. So now yeah, you it's really nice. do uh, private tutoring sessions, right? Private uh, Pro Tools instruction, yeah. That's actually pretty dope. Do you actually have a lot of people come up to you for, for learning how to do Pro Tools? Yeah, I'm, I currently have five students. Wow. And they become mm -hmm. certified Pro Tools? Certified Pro Tools users. Pro Tools, I do 101 and 110, so certified Pro Tools users. Pro Tools operator. Okay, Pro Tools operator, okay. Now... Were you were you even curious, at least a little bit curious, to learn other DAWs like Ableton or Logic or any other? I know other? how to use all those DAWs. Huh? Yeah, I know how to use Ableton. I know how to use Logic. I know oh, how to okay. use Digital Performer. I got FL on my computer. I've only opened it like two times. But <laughs> once you learn one DAW, you can learn. Basically, you learn everything. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty decent in Ableton. Uh, I used to be a lot better in Logic, but I haven't had Logic in a long time. Mm. So, yeah, but I'm pretty good in Ableton. I'm, I'm very great at Ableton, and I'm very rusty with Logic and Pro Tools. Mm. Yeah, I haven't been in Logic in a long time. I just feel like I don't know. I I feel like with Ableton, I basically can do anything that Logic and Pro Tools can do. I can do it in Ableton, and because I know all the shortcuts and I know all the tools and all the stuff, like I could just do it faster there. Like you know, when it comes to mids mastering, like I could just do it there. When it comes to recording, I can do it there. Granted, like the audio engine, it's not the same as Logic's and Pro Tools audio engine. Obviously, when you're bouncing it from there, is a whole different level. But I I learned that you know if 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 you mix properly and you made the execution right, then you know it's gonna sound great, regardless of what mm -hmm. DAW you use. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, do you do you disagree with it, or do you feel like you know there there's some you know no just no you just I always tell people it's like if you play guitar mm -hmm. and you're really good at guitar and I play the drums and I'm like man you should stop playing guitar you should play the drums the drums are way better you're not gonna switch your instrument right it's the same yeah. thing. If Ableton's your doll, Ableton's your doll. That's your instrument. Probes is your doll. Probes is your doll. Is your the only thing that matters is the outcome. That's a. That, it might not be the same, and I it might be whatever. At the end of the day, that's your instrument. That, so I, I never get into the conversation like, "What's better?" I'm like, "Whatever one lets you get your job done." Mm. If you're in audacity and that's the doll you use, then you use audacity. Like that's it. Stop. Well, the audacity for you to say you can use audacity and make something out of it—that's wild. I'm pretty sure that I could probably make a song in Audacity. I'm pretty sure it's not impossible. It's well, just that's, you know, it doesn't have all the things that I need right. that I'm used to using, but I'm sure there's ways. And I'm sure it might even open up some creativity just because of its limitations. I'm sure there's some kid out there making beats in Audacity and they're probably amazing. I, I'll tell you this. I remember one of my homies from from uh, this label, Disciple Records, uh, Modestead, they basically did like uh, like a little tutorial this and the challenge was like make at least a drop through using audacity and using a windows 98 computer <laughs> and using the, the little speakers do you remember the speakers that have on the computers that have like the the green and and purple mm -hmm. cables mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah make make a song out using all that stuff that's amazing it took them that's pretty awesome i mean the video itself is 20 minutes long, but they said that it took them hours just to make that one loop. And they, and they can only use the samples that are allowed to download in the computer because obviously we're talking about an old computer that the biggest you can ever get out of it was what, 200 megabytes? So imagine yeah, making yeah. a song out of 200 megabytes of space and that's it. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, that's insane. It's, it's funny because when you mentioned that, I was like, huh. That, rem that reminds me of that time that they actually did it, you know? So, yeah, that proves your point that if you can do it from there, you can do it from anywhere, you know? Yeah. Just get your mindset out of it. Um, So, currently right now, you're in SAE and you're right now doing, being a student advisor, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. what, what actually made you change those roles from being a professor to now advising people what to do? A couple of things. One, um, they asked me to do it. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, so they asked me to do it just because of what I do is I help people find work after they graduate. Mm. So because of my knowledge of local 
studios and, you know, facilities and my relationship with a lot of people in town. I thought I'd be good at it. And it's worked out, you know, it also, it's a little bit more flexible, the schedule. And I get to like, not be at the campus all the time. Cause I got to go like to studios and visit and meet studio managers and mm-hmm. meet business owners and all this stuff. So I get to spend a lot of time outside, which I really like. And then also I get to use um, my connections to help young kids, um, you know, pursue their, their desires, their goals, which most of them is to work in a studio. So I, you know, can make that happen. So it's cool. I like it. And what goes, so besides that, what, is there any other extra stuff that you have to do as a, as a studio advisor for the school? And I got to get the students prepared. I got to help them with their resumes, mm. you know, kind of give them some insight as to where they're going, interview information, like, you know, prepare for this, prepare for this. So they're going to ask you, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of prepare them for the, for the gigs and then also let them know what gigs are available, what they can do, how they can maybe better, how to, you know, the things that studios are looking for, what they're not looking for, help them find that right place for them. And and that involves as well, like getting the students involved in certain workshops or seminars and such. Yeah. I mean, we do those too. I do those more just so they can kind of get an idea of like what's actually happening and like hear from people outside of the campus, like just to hear like, yo, this is how so-and-so works or this is what we do at our studio. Like tomorrow I have a guy coming from a manager from a studio, a local studio oh. coming to the campus to talk to the students about like, working at their feet so just stuff like that just give them more insight into the industry and give them as much information as you know doesn't work for everybody but somebody's going to get something useful out of one of them and you know might work you might hear that one thing that's like oh clicks yeah Yeah. so we try to have like outside people come in and talk to them as much as possible how how often do you recommend people to attend some of these seminars and workshops you know for them to learn i mean obviously because of covid we weren't able to have them in person anymore so we were doing them like online um but we try to have them pretty regularly i have two actually this week though oh really Um, with with the school or with the with another company no with the school the school has we have our studio uh, rep i uh, mean the guy from the studio coming on tuesday and then on thursday we have a, com- a representative from a big ap company coming down oh uh, talk to the students about you know working and doing AV and stuff like that which av company is that that's called seal seal mm-hmm. shit i've never heard of them man a lot of people have but they're pretty big like south florida big or like like nationwide florida. big like, like florida i think they're nationwide too but i think they're they're like, based like like rhino is the florida like yeah. rhino impact yeah like that but like more av right more less like concerts i mean pack does a lot of av i mean they're they're more focused on on conferences i don't know pack not psav psav man they're not on they're not called encore under encore the yeah the company that encore bought psav during oh the shit yeah, like last year, like last April, around there, Encore bought PSAV. Oh, god damn. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'm, it's a, Encore now. I'm a little bit behind then. Fuck. <laughs> um, wow. And, but you do, you used to do a lot of AV work before, or no? You were, you were I, always in the studio. I've never done live. I mean, I've done live sound earlier in my career just to make money, but I, I haven't done live sound in 20 years. What were you? I don't know. I you, don't enjoy live sound. You don't you don't like doing the being a striker or being a board operator? I don't enjoy live sound at all. Like I don't Interesting. I don't like what what but why is that? Like what makes it very different from you working on the live sound than working on, on the on the studio that made you feel like uh, I mean there's a lot of differences. The main one is in the studio, if something is wrong, you can fix it. Oh, and live you're like something's wrong, it's like you're fucked. Yeah. 
no it went like if somebody did something wrong it's that's it like move on to the next part which i guess some people enjoy that but i don't mm. it's called that adrenaline and rush i don't like it either no, I, i don't but, like life sound. i never enjoyed life sound, so it's not for me i mean i do it because i know i'm great at it and again i'm not tuning my own home but i know i'm great at it, and i know i'm very great at responding to when something goes wrong or when i i can most most of the time I can predict when something goes wrong and I go ahead and, and make sure to prevent it. And when something does go wrong, then I'm right there literally to fix it. And it just, it, it will be like a few seconds and that's it. Doesn't take that long. And I guess like it's because I've, I've been doing it for so long, you know, that I, I got used mm -hmm. to do, to do it. You know, I know mm -hmm. a lot of people get panicky mode, you know, and they and lose their shit when something goes wrong, the music is out or the audio is, popping out or the microphone is out and I just go like that's it mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. show goes on let's go I don't yeah. I don't enjoy the rush I don't I, I prefer everything to go perfect but you know there's some stuff that you can't avoid and and when I do it I just like I feel proud of it you know it's like you know I look at myself as a problem solver so I tend to solve the problem I mean, that's all audio is. engineering is that's all yeah. audio engineering is a solving problem but I just don't I don't like that song. I don't know I don't I don't enjoy it at all any aspect of it, so I just yeah. I don't do it. So you just like go ahead and stick with the with the studio time. Stick me in the studio, I'll be okay. And how many artists have you ever worked in in your lifetime that you can say like, "Holy crap, I was proud <laughs> working with these certain artists." Oh, I think it's how many people. I'm gonna be like, bro, I can't count that. <laughs> there's a list um, behind it, bro. Of course. I mean, there's a bunch of people that I'm really proud to have been part of their work. I mean, the, the, I guess the biggest accomplishment for me was Amy's album, you know, 10 mm. times platinum at this point. But I've had other records that have been really successful as well. You know, just done a bunch of stuff, Nas and CeeLo and uh, Mary J. Blige and, you know, just a bunch of really successful records. Um, and I'm proud of all of it. You know, I put a lot of work into everything I did. I always took it really seriously so that people would take me seriously. Mm. And know that I was respecting their craft. I think that's probably the most important part. Right. So yeah, I mean, you know, I'm proud of all of it. And if anybody's curious, they obviously just go to Discogs, check out my discography. There's some cool stuff in there. Yeah, absolutely. Or Jaxta. What's that other thing I called? Jaxter. Things called Jaxter. The what? Some new app. There's a new like uh, app for like your discography. Things called Jaxter or Jaxta. Some shit like that. Oh shit! For real? So is, mm -hmm. so from there, I can see. All your discography, like all the stuff that you worked before? Yeah, it's like an app and you can go mm. in there and like um if you didn't get a credit, like you can add it, you know. It's pretty cool. It's just like discard it's just like this uh discards are all music same shit. But they just did it in the app form, which I don't know if other companies have done that yet. So hmm. interesting. And and when it comes to collaboration, how, how do you go about it? You know, when you're working on a collaboration with, with set artists, a set producer, set engineer stuff? Oh, uh, I think it just depends on the situation. I think, you know, when you work, when you work, when you work in a studio and you're in a session, you, you can tell pretty quickly who's like somebody who wants to be in charge of the session. And then you can also tell when people are nervous. And then sometimes at that point, you have to step up and you got to make everybody feel like as long as somebody's driving the boat. And that's important. I'm always there to make sure that I'm useful and I'm helpful. And if somebody wants me to drive the boat, I'll drive the boat. But if there's somebody who really wants to drive the boat, drive the boat. You know, I just make sure that everything else is running. So it just really depends on, on the situation and the person's personality. I don't need to be either or. I'm just there to be flexible and 
make sure that at the end of the day we have something to show for it. Have you ever been like the captain of the boat? Like, you know, like you came here and sure. this is my charge and this is my stuff and this is how we're going to do it? It's not so much. This is, it's not so much when I say captain of the boat, sometimes it's not so much like I walk in and like, yo, I'm in charge. Mm. But sometimes you walk in a session and you can tell that there's no direction mm. or that some, that they need help and maybe they don't know how to ask for help. So you just go in there and you just, you just do certain things and you let people know that they can trust you and give you the captain's hat and you just finish. How often do you see that? It's pretty normal. It's pretty yeah. often. And sometimes it's not even about like me producing or anything. It's sometimes like me being in a session and being like, okay, now do this, now do this, now do this. And once they see that you have, I guess, the correct ideas or the correct approach to getting it done, people trust you and they'll just let you do what, what you got to do. Have you ever had any clash with their representatives because they say like, no, you're killing his creative idea, even though what you're saying is like, well, I know this is what works. Like, if you don't want to do it like that, that's fine. We'll do it your way. No, because I always let people do it their way first. And when if it doesn't work, then I'll be like, can I make it? Mm. I'll never tell them like, this is what we're doing. I'll be like, what do you want to do? You want to do that? Okay, cool. And we'll do it. Even if you tell me y'all want to hang upside down and I want to put the microphone up my nose. Here we go. Microphone up your nose. And then when it doesn't work out, and I'll be like, well, why don't we try you standing straight up and singing and see how that turns out. Mm. I'll let you do your way first. So you get tired. And then I'll be like, well, why don't we try this? And then if it works out, guess who saved it? So I'm just there. I get paid regardless. Right, right. Uh, do you see that often um, on smaller people or you see that often on more on big people? It's both. Really? So anybody everybody thinks they're everybody thinks they're amazing. Right. Everybody thinks they're really good at their job. Everybody thinks that they know what they're doing, mm -hmm. including myself. Like there's times where I don't know what I'm talking about, but at least I, I know, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to say like, Yo, I don't know. I'm out of my depth here. I don't have a problem saying that. Now, when it, when it comes to these said artists, you know, that sometimes there's these rumors that sometimes there's studio interference with said artists, you know, when, when said artists or when, when you guys make a session and you, and it sounds amazing, you, everybody's proud of it. And then all of a sudden the label is like, nah, we don't like it, but scratch that. And, or work the other way around. And you're like, damn, bro. Like we spend like hours of doing this the right way. And it sounds great. And everybody's happy. And these labels decide to interfere and change it. And then it makes it even Like shit. I don't really get involved in that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if I'm in a session with somebody and we're recording something and the label comes and they're like, that's not what we're doing, we're doing this. If that's the artist relationship with that label, then that's their problem. Mm -hmm. I'm there to do a job. I'm not there to, you know, be arguing with people or fighting for something. Like it's not. I know when something's bad and I know when something's good. Mm -hmm. And if the label's ideas are bad, I might be like, mm -hmm. But, but doesn't that like affect you in any way to say, you know, like you worked on this and it sounds like shit and then your name goes out. It's like, oh, yeah, this is a Frank Socorro's work. And you're like, what the fuck? Frank Socorro? No way. Like that guy. Does I mean, I guess, but it's never it's never been to that extent where it's like, oh, mm -hmm. my God, what they did was so terrible. It's usually like, oh, we're going to use this as the hook. So my part is always the same. It's just like maybe the arrangement and they picked the longer version or they picked the one with a different beat. Or it's, like, it's never a situation where it's like now mixed set differently from what I did. And now it's like, that's not a thing. And yeah, that doesn't happen that much. Like that doesn't, I mean, yeah, labels can turn down a song, but rarely do a label be like, well, we're going to do it this way. Like it's usually like, Hey, we don't like this song. Do something else. Mm. You know? 
Now, do you usually like meet a lot of people that are that are in, in labels, or you meet a lot of people that are very independent? Uh, I think it's it's equal, you okay. know, depending on where the sessions are. But you know, it's pretty balanced. Now, as your personal opinion, when somebody wants to go and you know try to be a whatever it is that they want to be, like an artist or a producer, you know, they want to do things, but they have that mindset that you know, oh, if I sign with a label. You know, I might get this, this, and that. But then you tell them, like, maybe not signing with a label is maybe not the right fit for you now. You can try to go independent for a little bit. Now, would you recommend that person to be to go independent or just sign right away with, the, with a label? I think it all depends on what you want, what you need to get out of this. If you just need some money, Usually maybe that. going with the label. If, you just, if you're like, yo, I'm broke, I don't have no money, like, mm-hmm. I need to eat. Have any shoes? Then definitely go get that check. And you know if they're offering you a serious check, but then also just find a lawyer. Like people, just pay. Tell your lawyer you're gonna pay him when you get the deal. Yeah, that's it. Find a, a decent lawyer. Ask other people who's the best entertainment lawyer in town and reach out to that person. Yeah, don't ask the label for their lawyers. Definitely don't ask the label for their lawyers. That's actually a conflict of interest that shouldn't ever be happening, but people do that anyway. But yeah, just make sure that you know what you're signing. And if you're not sure, ask somebody else. Don't be afraid. Don't, people are too afraid that people are going to think they're dumb or they don't know anything because they ask questions. I'd rather ask questions and make, and mm-hmm. you think that I'm dumb, then you make a dumb decision and you look really stupid. So go ask people. If you don't need the money, if you're willing to wait, if you have a, your own buzz, if you have a really good momentum all by yourself, then do it independent. It's just at different points in time, you might need different things. So I'll never tell somebody not to sign a record deal because I don't know what that person is going to. But let's just say that, you know, I'm just starting now, regardless of what I'd say, what do you think it could be like the best route for me? Because remember now in today's world, but what now are you we're making. Okay. So let's say uh, EDM music. I think it honestly probably makes more sense. I think there's more in chance of you be successful independently mm. because. First of all, in EDM, let's just say EDM, it's just super broad. But let's say EDM, EDM, yeah. you're not as worried about getting yourself paid on the radio. That's not really a priority. Yeah. That's not your goal. Whereas with like pop music or even like some rap stuff now, like your goal is to not, and I, and I say radio, I don't mean just like radio on your car, but like Apple Music, all those places, where the places where music is played, where you have no control over it. It's not really a goal so much for EDM. I mean, there might be a couple of like shows here and there where they do that, but that's not really like your main source of where people are in here. It's just really like getting to the festivals and like getting into the right DJs that they played in the right places and stuff like that, right? So in that situation, you might be better off finding a really dope manager that can put you into some cool conversations and just keep making your music and putting it in the outlets where you can. I agree. Right? Yeah. Whereas like if you have like if you're like a R and B singer or you're a pop singer or you're whatever, you need to get to those certain platforms. So in that situation, a label could be really useful because they have the money and the power to put you in those situations. It just all depends on what you're making and what you're trying to get out of it. Uh, it's very it's very important to have that clear because that's actually one of the things that I've seen a lot of people up and comers make some of these mistakes. They they let themselves that, you know. Oh, you know, like signing to a label is where I'm going to get all the stuff. And I'm like, I mean, you could get all the stuff as an independent as well. It's just mm-hmm. you have to grind yourself. You have to have the resources. You invest yourself like you got to do the work just to make it. That's happen, the thing. Yeah? 
independent is a lot more work. There's going to be a lot more work on your part than the label who has 500 employees and can get things to happen because they have money. You know, you're going to have to do the actual work. So, I mean, it's the, I mean, that's the big difference. You know, the label has everything and you don't have to work as much as that just to make the music and let the label release it. Whereas an independent, you basically have to do all the work and learn some new tricks as well on the road. Mm-hmm. I guess in, as an as an EDM standpoint, I always encourage people to like don't ever send music to record labels because some some of these record labels, when you send them music, they're not looking at you because they only care about your social media presences. Who do you know? What do you know? You know, and you can be the most talented person ever. They're not gonna even look at you, which is sad. Because I thought, you know, all oh, this is all about, you know, have the talent, have the, you know, the gut for it. And, you know, if I got a, if I got a person that has like 100 f- followers, but their music is sounds much better than, quote unquote, a Skrillex level type production. I'm surprised that that person doesn't get recognized or doesn't get picked up by these set labels. And they spend their, their whole entire life years just making dope music, but never get, you know, the recognition that they deserve, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, the label's a business. Mm. And a business's job is to make money. Right. And so if you present to me two things, let's say we sell cupcakes. My job is to sell cupcakes. I have one cupcake on one hand that everybody who walks by the window stares at the cupcake and goes, oh my God, that looks like an amazing cupcake. And I have the other cupcake, which tastes amazing, but it's just a brown cupcake. And it has no decoration. And nobody looks at that cupcake. Which one am I going to sell? The one with all the cool stuff and then it tastes better. Even though it doesn't taste better, but everybody it's drawing everybody's attention. And it's the same thing with social media and everybody. You got these certain people, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 followers. The music's all right, but they have a lot of attention, a lot of eyes on them. So the label knows, hey, even if I invest $10,000 into this person, I'm probably going to get it back right away. Whereas this other brown cupcake that just doesn't even have a, a wrapper, it's just, a, it's just like a piece of cake, even though it tastes amazing. Nobody's paying attention to it. So I'm going to have to do much more work. Now I got to spend money on marketing. Now I got to get a rapper. I got to dress it up. I got to do all this stuff. I got to clean it up. I got to make an ad. I got to do this. And it still might not even sell because everybody's just going, isn't that the brown cupcake? So that's where they're at. So that's why it's like, I'm not saying it's right. I'm also not. Right. I can't hate on it because it's a business. It's a, it's a business I, as, at the end of the day. Yeah. As a business owner, there's certain things that I would like for my studio to be. But at the end of the day, I have to understand that I'm catering to a specific clientele. So that clientele says, I just need auto-tune and a mic. Who am I to tell them no, that they should use this other $4,000 preamp with the $6,000 compressor? It's not what they want. And I'd be stupid to spend that money on that because they're not going to use it. So I got to be realistic with myself and what my outcome is. That's a that's a very nice way to put it, you know, because I, I mean... I've been I've been saying this for quite some time, you know, like it, it's it's business like they only care about, you know, what looks pretty, what's easy for them to sell, what yeah. what makes them less work. You know, it's like, oh, this I don't have to do much work. All right, let's let's put this guy out. And that's one of the things that's coming up in some of these EDM labels is that they're they they want a whole package before before, you know, before it was just make a dope song. All right, you make the dope sum. Now we can get a, a a mixing engineer, a master engineer to to do whole fence and then release this and market it and whatnot, blah, 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 blah. Then later it became like, oh my God, it's a dope sum. Um, you need to mix and master it on your own. 
I'm not a mitzvah. I don't know how to mix a mess. I just know how to make music. Well, you got to do it or else you can't release it. Then you got to learn how to do those both. So now you're doing production and creating process, mixing and mastering. All right, dope. I got it. Let me see your pool. Oh, man. Like, I don't know. You don't pull that much. Eh, we're not we're not taking a risk, man. Sorry, man. And it ain't for us. And that's just basically what it has come down to it is now is social media became a a must. You you must have, even though it doesn't have to do anything with production or engineering or all, like now it's a must. If you have a pull, you have a following, people see that they fuck with you. All right, let's get something out of it. Because another another point of view out of all this and in the label's perspective is, okay, dope. You got a dope song. What's in it for us? Like, why should we play your song? Like, what? What is it that's so different that some of our, la our label artists can't do? I can ask one of the label artists to do something like this and they'll do it. So what makes it so what makes you unique for us to be interested in you and invest on you? And that's another thing, unfortunately. I mean, it's not unfortunate. It's, it's always been that way. And it's not, it's not. I mean, social media is an example today, but it's always been about how people look is important. So it used to be how they dress you and what your look was and how your marketing was. Now it's all just one thing. And it, because we have access to it, we think it's not that big a deal or we think it's stupid because everybody can do it. Because back in the days, you had to have a lot of money to make a commercial. Yeah. Now you can just turn your phone around. Yeah. Basically. You put a filter on it and you can make a commercial for yourself. So it just seems to most of us, it seems like this is dumb. Anybody could do this. But no, it's back to the same thing. Not everybody could do it. Not everybody has the charisma. Not everybody could be Jake Paul. That's true. If it was true, then there would be more Jake Pauls. And there's only one Jake Paul. Yeah. Not that I, I'm saying that he's something that you should try to be, but he's definitely successful at what he does because he knows what he's doing. And why wouldn't, if somebody's trying to make money, why wouldn't they go to the thing that would easily make the most money? That's all it is. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying like people need to be honest with the reality. Like there's the no point reality. trying to fight it. Yeah. There's no point in trying to fight it. If you want to fight it, then just don't do it or just do something else. Do your, do your own thing. Go independent. Right. You know, figure out a different way to do it. There's people doing that all the time. Go outside and stay outside. That's why I always encourage people like it's better off to do your stuff independent, man, because there's no sense or dwelling just like focus all your eggs on that one basket and hoping that, you know, you're going to get signed or even looked up and they're not going to even bother. Just go independent because nine times out of ten, like, your music, if your music is good, it will be heard. Like someone will listen and someone will pay attention. It's always yeah, but that somebody could also be a label. There's nothing wrong with signing to a label and, and No, I never said that it's there's nothing wrong about it. I'm just saying like how it's operating right now and what should benefit you right now the most is focus your time and energy. Um being independent for now and do all this shenanigans, you know, until, you know, you get recognized. Yeah, but some people get, some people get offered stuff really early on. Like I've been in plenty of sessions with new artists where like some A&R really believes in this person. Mm. They get a budget and they really put money into this person. I mean, it worked. And that's a really cool experience. Even if the music doesn't work out, it's a really cool experience. And then afterwards, if you need to go independent, you can go independent, but definitely don't leave a gift horse in the mouth. If somebody's offering you money to do something, you should definitely like take, into consideration and see right. what they're going to do for you and and ask lots of questions like yeah, okay what are you guys going to do for me what am i going to owe you how is this going to work right what what is the outcome that you're expecting from this like yeah. ask all the questions 
if you like the answer, then go for it and get some money and buy yourself, you know, buy your mama house. Yeah. Mm. Just know that you you may actually have to pay that back in a few years or or less. You might, but if you bought the right house, you might gain some equity in the house, might pay for it back all by itself. The only problem to that is that most of the time, those people, like, they see that fast money and they don't think about, you know, having equity on all that stuff or are thinking financial future and, or investments and stuff like that. And they just... No, but that's why you need people around you that can talk that talk. Right. And you should right. look out. So you should look out for those people and don't be embarrassed to ask a question that you don't know about. If you don't know what equity is, ask somebody. If you don't know how to do your taxes, ask somebody. Get an accountant. You don't know how to read a contract, find a lawyer. So I ain't somebody who does and ask them and don't be afraid to ask questions. There are no stupid questions. No, they're not. They're Everything stupid people, but not stupid questions. There's definitely stupid people. But those <laughs> stupid people is really choose not to ask any questions and they remain ignorant. Mm. It's a choice. There's no need for that. You have the entire world at your fingertips. Right. You can Google shit. You can find out. Word. To finish up with this topic with the labels. Now, would you agree that now in today's world, now we have much more of the tools and the resources to release your own music rather than to use Absolutely. a label? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, you could put stuff on DistroKid in like two minutes. It's, there's no need for it. There's definitely a pluses to it, but there's no need for it. And do you think that will that be the end of labels in the, in the future? No. Or do you think the labels, labels will, will never end? Really? No, why would they? There's always going to be somebody who wants more money. I mean, because like now that, that people have these resources and all that stuff that I can do my, I can have my own distribution company. I can produce my own music. I can actually keep all these royalties and all of these revenues. Why should I share it with you? You know? Yeah, because they have a bigger reach. So for instance, you, you put out a song mm. and you're self-published. Right. You can't collect the publishing on that money in India. You have no resources. You'd right. have to call India and figure out who you have to talk to. You're not going to do that. So you're only collecting your ASCAP or your BMI and whatever sales you do. Nobody's collecting the money from your publishing royalties. And you could have money all around the world and you don't know it. So you could sign up to the, what's the digital one? So, uh, TuneCore? No. Um, what? Well, there's, there's SongTrust, which is here. And then there's... I forgot what the digital one is called. But yeah, but you know, there's certain there's certain things that having distribution through, like for instance, if you put a song up on TuneCore, how long does it take for the song actually to go up? Like a month or so. Like a month, three weeks to a month. If you're on a label, a label can push that through a lot faster because they have their own Apple Store log. You can put the song up tonight and get it up there tomorrow morning. And when so that- there's certain things mm-hmm. that can help you they can create a marketing. They have marketing. They have photographers. They have videographers. They have the best mixing engineers, the mastering engineers. Like all these things that just add a little bit to your project. The label has access to. And yeah, you could do it yourself, but you might end up with a better product if you go to the label. I mean, most of the time, I'm just being the devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I and I like it, man. I, I'm just asking for the perspective. You know, like if if going by. By all this, then, you know, the reason why I go through these distributions is so it could give me time to think about my marketing and how to market my song and how can I can properly market it and then have that ready for preload, pre, pre, pre-save, right? Pre-save. I'm, I don't know if I'm saying the road right. But look at all the things that you're having to think about. And if you're on a label, you don't have to think about anything. Labels don't just like, I, I got your song, you'll release it next week. Like, no, they 
they have to market that. I mean, no, they do I, have a lineup of songs for them I to get release. It, but they also have a marketing team that, that, that right. doesn't necessarily need you to come up with a marketing plan, but just maybe approve something. They're going to have visual people that don't need you to necessarily come up with the idea and they probably will accept your input, but they probably will also pitch you on ideas and get the thing done for you. So now you just need to focus on being the artist, which sometimes can be very beneficial. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just want to be in control of the entire thing because maybe you don't think that anybody could execute the way you would do it. And then that's when you do your independent thing. But there's pros and cons to both sides. Mm-hmm. That's true. I agree. So with that, when it comes to being a, as a music producer, do you always believe that sound designing for a project, is it a, a luxury or a necessity? Again, I think that really depends on the, if you're like a sound designer guy. Mm-hmm. Nah, I mean, I'm, I guess. I mean, I, I think that's like a thing that, I mean, I guess every producer in different eras have done it. Like people finding their best samples or like, setting up their drum kit and that's still sound design yeah i think sometimes if you're sitting there you're like oh, i'm gonna make three kicks and 11 snares for this part like i think that's kind of silly but if that's how you get inspired then you know i shouldn't say silly because there's probably people who get inspired by doing that so i retract that statement for me it's not something i would ever do because for me i think a song could be anything mm. not it works both ways anything can be a song but it, like you could write a song today and you're like, oh, tomorrow, oh, I think this should be like a dubstep. And all you got to do is change the drums and some of the sounds and it's a dubstep song, right? And then if I take that song and I'm like, nah, it should be an R&B song. I can just change all the drums and change some of the keys and not an R&B song. It's still a song. Right. It might be a really good song and we might be trying to figure it out. So I think with the coming in with a preconceived notion as what the, what the song is going to be is bad. And it, you should just let the song come out and be whatever it wants to be. Instead of you trying to make it fit in some sort of box because you made a bunch of sounds that you think are cool. Fuck your beat. Is the song good? If it's good. If it's good, it could work. It would have worked in any genre. Mm-hmm. But if you if you're so focused on damn, is my beat, is my kick good, is my snare good, mm-hmm. you're not worried about the right thing. The song has to be good. I agree. I agree. Two more questions and we can wrap this up right now. What are you currently doing and what do you hope to accomplish now in the future? Um, currently I'm teaching a lot of people Pro Tools, I'm mixing an album by an artist named Jay Nix, who's here out of South Florida. I'm doing a bunch of music expo seminars once a month, every, well, I do one on the 12th of, well, I don't know when this is coming out, but on <laughs> the 12th of August. Um, and then there'll be another one in September where I'm doing like a masterclass. Um, yeah, just like mixing random stuff here and there. and you know uh doing sessions still on local a lot of local studios we have a session on saturday vocals okay yeah one last question and we can end this let's just say that there's a mothership from outside this world and it comes over to you and tells you hey frank we need your help because only you can give us the sickest beats and the sickest engineering with our stuff Mm -hmm. but you're gonna be out for a long time But before you leave, they tell you, here's a piece of paper, here's a pen, write free pieces of advice to someone that can actually learn from this. What are those free pieces of advice that you'll give to someone? Follow your gut, make time for yourself, and respect yourself. I like that. (laughs) Respect yourself, because that's actually a very important, because I've seen a lot of people that, you know, they don't have any dignity and they let, let, let themselves, you know, run over through the mud, you know? 
if you don't respect yourself, nobody else will. Yeah. So you got to respect yourself first. I agree. So that's very important. And just be happy with yourself. You know, be happy with what you're doing, man. Make sure that you're not living in a fantasy world that you're going to be the next Martin Garrix type shit. Like, no, just be down to earth. Know that what you're doing is it is it exactly what you're doing? It does it make you happy? Are you gonna achieve it? Go for it. Just do it. Mm. Just move forward with it. Just stop eating shit and just move forward with it. Well, thank you very much, Frank, for all this, man. I really appreciate it for you to come over to this. Uh, before we leave, Thanks, plug yourself out. Let the people know where they can follow you and follow your stuff, and you know anything that's coming up in, on Norway. Uh, Instagram, Alphabet Music, A-L-P-H-A-B-E-A-T-M-U-S-I-C. Same thing on Twitter. Follow me on either there. I don't, I post pretty regularly and I'm pretty sarcastic. I'm a jerk. So you can follow me if you want to hear some audio jokes. Go to Music Expo, at Music Expo SF on Instagram and follow them as well. I do a lot of stuff with them. They always do cool seminars. And uh, yeah, hit me up. DM me if you want to learn some Pro Tools or if you have some mixing questions. I always respond to the DMs. Um, and then uh, once a month, we do mixing seminars where people submit their songs and I critique their mixes live on the air. So yeah, we're doing one uh, this Thursday and we do them every month. Just follow me on Instagram. I usually post the pics and stuff when it's happening. So. Dope. Dope. Well, thank you very much, Frank, for coming in. It's an honor and privilege to have you here, man. You're a friend of the show, man. Thank you guys for listening. And remember, every week is a brand new episode with a brand new topic. So be sure to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at the Lone Wolf Podcast for SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And of course, the YouTube channel at LoneWolfPod.com. That's Lone, W-O-L-V, Pod.com, where you can check all my latest episodes. Comment down below. Let me hear your thoughts. Share your experience. If you guys got a certain topic that you want me to cover or you want Frank to cover on the next episode, please let me know on the comments down below. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys at the next one. Peace.